Hello, my name is Shmuel Tenenhaus from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Welcome to my very own podcast because I'm Shmuel Tenenhaus and this is my podcast. It's been a, a crazy off season as we go from season two to season three. I'm so happy to be back here for season three. I hope during the small break that we took, you let all your friends and family know about the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Anyways, for this season, I'm committing to have many more shows and many more guests because we've only had three guests, four guests, sorry, on the podcast. Very exciting. Now, it's been a while since I did a podcast, almost almost three weeks, and uh, I'm forgetting even uh, how to do this with the microphone, plug it in, speak into the microphone, but I think we have it okay. So as you know, we don't have a political agenda here on the Schmoll Tenenhaus podcast because uh, just our agenda is, is to have jokes and have a good time. That being said, sometimes important things happen in the world and it's very necessary to to say something. But then again, we don't want to have any agenda. So before uh, this preparing for the show, I actually put together a whole bunch of abortion-related jokes related to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, but then uh, I decided uh, with those jokes... Uh, to kill them off prematurely, just because, again, we don't want to go there. And I will also say that no matter what you think about pro-abortion or against abortion, I will say this, and this is about building a consensus because that's what it's all about, finding the common ground. You can be pro or against, but let's all agree that baby wipes are important and they are crucial to have, even if you don't have kids. And the reason for that is is because if something spills or you need something to wipe your makeup off, or there's iguana poop on your car, which is a very common thing in Florida right now, and always, baby wipes are clutch. You keep them in the glove compartment or somebody else. I have friends who have also made the conscious decision they're not having babies. For whatever reason, they don't want to have kids. And it's not my place to stand up and lecture them, but what I really always want to tell them is, listen, you can decide not to have children. That is your prerogative. You and your wife decide it's not for you. But at the same time, I want you to keep an open mind about baby wipes. They are the most important thing right now in the world, and they are good almost for any situation you find yourself in. You can always use baby wipes. Now, I want to dive right into Sheva Brachas because I had an opportunity to attend the Sheva Brachas last week for five seconds, and uh, it brought up a debate uh, or a hakira, like we would call in yeshiva, uh, about the following scenario. So uh, if anybody here or out there is a, a very astute in halacha, Jewish law, please let me know your thoughts. So if you have... Uh, a wedding, and it's a big wedding. The family obviously overspends, and then they're trying to figure out an apartment for the newlywed because they just spent all the money on the wedding. And it's a beautiful wedding. Now, there's somebody at the wedding. Now, three days later, this person, there's a Sheva Brachas. Now, what happened was, during the three days that went by, this person had made a lot of money in the past year. He had a good exit from his business. It just happened to be in between the wedding and the shavabrachas that he was doing, this person, because again, he had some extra money in his bank account, he goes and gets a long-needed nose job. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in the Jewish community need, needs one. Maybe it would be nice to have, but not everybody has the means to do it. This person, though, he figured it out, he had his exit, he goes and invests the money to get a new job, to get a new nose, sorry. So now my question is, can this same person B, 
be the Panim Chadashas at the Sheva Brachas. Because on the one hand, you can say, yes, he, yeah, he, he could be there because he now has a completely different face because the nose is at the center and that's the whole purpose. So he's Panim Chadashas. At the same time, Physically, he was at the wedding. So again, the question is, in this scenario where there's an exit and there's a no job that gets splurged on, can a person show up at a Shevar Brachas as a Panam Chandashas? I have a pet peeve here. It happens to me in Shul a lot. I don't want to say any names. Also, have you noticed I'm talking a lot faster? And that is because, one, people listen to me on fast speed, so I really want to mess with your head. Two, I also listened uh, once in a while by mistake to my own podcast while I was in the car, just turned on in Spotify, and I noticed I talk really slow, and so I'm just trying to speed it up for season three. So if you're in shul, here's what I do not like. You walk by me, you're middle saying Shema, you look me right in the eyes, and you say, Asher atem zoinim achareichem. I just, there's something that rattles me when you say zoinim, and you're looking right in my face because of what the words mean. Please don't do that again. Now, I do want to make a, as you know, we don't have advertisers, but we are manifesting ad revenue. And so we do, we're very excited to have our first uh, sponsor, brand sponsor for season three of the Shmuel Tenhouse podcast. It's actually an ad uh, by Meta, M-E-T-A, formerly known as Facebook. And I have an ad or an advertorial written, and it's actually me reading it as Mark Zuckerberg. Hello, it's me, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. He has a very clever podcast, and I'm so glad you guys are listening. I don't know why he doesn't have any social media promoting it, because social media is the best, but I digress. So let me tell you a little bit about my company. So we have Facebook, and has billions of users, and we have successfully managed to destroy all politics in the the United States and the world abroad, and we're very proud of it. The next thing is we also launched Instagram. Well, actually, we bought them because we had more money than the smaller company, and that's the way it works here. So now with Instagram, we managed to pulverize society. So now we've destroyed politics, we've pulverized society. Now we also have WhatsApp, which has killed productivity for the rest of the world. So these are our three core products, and it has destroyed civilization as we know it. So I want to tell you about a new thing that we're doing. Since civilization is effectively dead on this earth, We are taking our technology and our people and our work ethic to a whole new universe. Welcome to the metaverse. So here's the thing. Metaverse is a world that is not inhabited yet. Just a couple of our engineers are there. But it's a whole new opportunity to destroy, for us, to destroy and monetize a new civilization. Well, first we're going to monetize it, and then it's going to self-destruct. So we want you all in this world, because again, it's pretty much over with. There's just a couple of things left here going on, a little food left, a couple of lakes. We want you to pack your bags because that's where everybody is headed. Join us in the metaverse. Also, we have stores that are selling our <coughs> our little uh, headsets that you can see what's going on in the new world. And use Shmuel Tenenau's podcast, and you'll get a 15% discount on whatever we're selling in that world. Okay, thank you there. So now I want to talk to you about a different topic. There is a lot of confusion and uh, it, it, this, the confusion is about nipple confusion. So I want to explain to people who don't have kids or who have kids what uh, nipple confusion is. So a nipple walks into a bar, a bar, and he sits at the counter, and he asks the bartender, hey, is this the new bar, the new exciting bar that I saw on Yelp and all my friends are talking about? And like supposedly the drinks here are really good. 
And the bartender looks at the nipple and is like, uh, I think you might be lost. This is just a drab old bar. There's nothing new going on here. That's an example of nipple confusion. Another thing is you can have another scenario to explain it. You can have a nipple sitting in her therapist office. Notice I use the pronoun her, and because this is this nipple chooses to identify as a her, and the nipple tells the therapist, like, I look in the mirror these days, and I'm not sure who I am anymore. Like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? Like, sometimes I feel so lost. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a second example about nipple confusion. Uh, by the way, in terms of pronouns, I am thinking to update my pronouns to the Jew, Shmuel the Jew. And when people talk to me or about me in a sentence, it would have to be the Jew as my pronoun. Let me know what you think. I would have to update this on LinkedIn and not sure that would make a lot of sense for me professionally. Next thing I want to say is whoever said there's no crying over spilled milk was clearly not talking about breast milk that was pumped laboriously and is now sitting on the counter together with on the fleshic side of things and then some husband comes by washes his eighth nagavasar in the morning and accidentally knocks it over there could be crying uh, by both the husband and the wife over spilled milk next i want to talk to you about the greatest invention and the nicest thing that exists in the jewish community and this is the food train there's so much to say about the food train, but essentially when you have baby or babies, you get onto the food train. You get a ticket to the food train. It's a very warm experience. There's a blanket of love that is hugging you, just knowing that during the day you could be slacking off, but there's some other family, some mom usually who is in full-blown Aishas Chayil mode. She has it up to a 10. And she, with her tichel, without her tichel, with a shetel, a, a shetel tichel, she's doing all that stuff and then bringing the food warm and dropping it off at your house. That's the nicest thing ever, especially since I always keep the Tupperware and I don't return it. And that's just because we just had babies and they're growing up, they're gonna go to school. I don't remember what's going on. I can't start giving people their Tupperware back. We're really busy right now. Thank you for the food and for the Tupperware. Now, I want to tell you the one problem or the one issue that exists with food trains, uh, and that is that they come to an end. Really, you should get on the food train and never have to go off the food train because it's such a painful experience for those who've experienced it to be on that food train. And things are good. Like when you're on the food train, you're skipping breakfast, you're skipping lunch because you know come 5 o'clock, somebody's going to pull up, rock up to your house with some of the best stuff. And it's not Uber Eats. There's no charges. There's no tip that has to go on that order. It's just very exciting. So I would think... You know, if we can amend anything with a food train, it would be they should just last forever. I'm not sure who we're going to get to make the meals, but I think that's the only downside to food trains. Now, some things I wanted to say about a food train, which you may not know. So first of all, when it comes to moving into the Jewish community, some people look at the shul, the mikvah, whatever it is, the young couples, 
for us, when we moved here, we were I was just doing research on the food trains. I was like, what's the food train situation? Do they have a food train? How long does it last? Three weeks, four weeks? Is it a vegan food train? Do they bring dessert? These are the type of questions that behoove somebody to ask before they move into a community. Everything else is just noise. People, focus on the food trains, okay? That is the most important thing. The second thing that I want to say is, we've been getting a lot of food trains, and we're on the train, we love the train. Now, there's some people who we get food trains from, their spouses have complained to me about their spouses. Like, they're like, this is over, this, this thing is like, we're one argument away from a divorce. And then I get these food trains, and I wanna call my friends up and say, you're a moron, your wife is an amazing cook. I don't care how, how bitter you are in your marriage. I mean, did you taste the schnitzel? This thing is so crunchy, it's delicious. And also, she cut fruit there. It is so meticulously cut. How would you ever want to get divorced from this person? Now you're saying, what does she bring to the table? Dude, what do you bring to the table? You are barely covering your household needs. You're not participating in food trains. Your wife is doing everything. Plus she works. Plus she's food training. Now... The other thing is, is that when I said that you're barely covering your expenses, I know you're going to give me inflation as an excuse, but let's also remember those credit card bills that you're not even taking into consideration that are due and you keep pushing off. So you're not even getting close to covering your expenses. And you want to leave this Asia's Kyle who's delivering food trains? Do you know how good that food is? Also, those cookies in a different Tupperware, which we're keeping, by the way, those cookies are amazing. And so I don't even want to say what type of cookies they are because it may give away which people they are. But there's a lot of people who are really underestimating the value that their spouses or their wives bring to the, to, to the marriage. And they are highly overestimating what they bring to here. So a message to all men, especially men whose wives participate in the food train, don't ever complain about your marriage. I see what's going on, what's coming to the house, and uh, you have it a lot better than most, than most people. The other thing is, is that I've heard a rumor, I don't know if it's true, maybe somebody there outside of this podcast uh, could confirm. There are people in different communities at this point who are having children just to get onto the food train. Like, they'll be like, hey, honey, listen, I know we said no more kids anymore, but you remember how good that food train was? One month or two weeks of just pure bliss, food coming in. We didn't know where to put it in the fridge. We were like pulling things out of the fridge, putting them out of the fridge, we almost had to get another backup fridge, not the regular backup, but the backup backup, because we had so much food coming in, we could just like toss out full salads that we didn't need right into the garbage just because we could. Not that we actually would, but that's how much food that we had. So there are, and, and then you have couples be like, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I know, you know, we should probably be more thoughtful because having a kid entails some responsibility. But yeah, that you make a good point. You make a valid point there. It would be nice to get somebody to deliver hot, feel, hot meals for two, three weeks. So this is another thing that we have going on in the community right now. People uh, conceiving babies just to get onto the food train and uh, we don't judge you because I totally get it. The other thing is there have been some investigations in different communities about people faking uh, childbirth. They'll post like a fake picture, Mazel Tov, just to get on the food train. And then like I'll see the husband and wife going for a jog. There's no baby carriage with them. 
this was just a food train uh, fraud, and I, and I totally get what you're up to, but this is this is taking advantage of hardworking people and their food, and there are people with real babies that need their food. So let me tell you something. If you're also people don't have new babies every four months. Like you can't post a picture of a blanket and the head is covered, and you're like, yeah, they're sleeping inside. We're so happy to be on this food train. Every four months, that's not the cycle for a baby. So it, it's, it, you're making it very obvious that this whole thing is a cheat. Now, one thing would be extremely amazing if they would do for the food train, which would be is if you did a Tinder-type app for the food train. So what happens is, because some people bring you know, good stuff, and then there are other people who bring you know, for dinner, salmon. And that's okay because maybe the wife can't eat chicken, but then nobody really eats salmon, even at a Shabbos table. It just looks nice there. People want to feel sophisticated because they're serving something else other than gefilte fish. But at the end of the day, please, if nobody's looking, nobody's ever eating any salmon unless it's lox and it doesn't resemble what it looks like. So it would be great, again, if you had a Tinder for food train. It would be called Fitinder because it's a food train Tinder, and then you can swipe left or right, and then boom, you just land on the family that's making steak and potatoes, and you're like, yes, we want you. You're the family that is going to be delivering our food train for this evening. Thank you very much. I'm going to go hop a nap now for four hours because I don't have to work. People are just making me hot food. I don't need food. They're going to bring it here. I don't even need Tupperware because they are going to bring the Tupperware together with me. So now the next thing. I want to warn everybody out there. Right now, the there is a TB coalition that is, fi- that is uh, filing a class action lawsuit. The TB coalition is the Tzedakah Box coalition. So there's a lot of pushka fraud going on. This is what I mean by pushka fraud. You have a pushka in your house. It is... F- it was flush with cash because every once in a while, you'll empty your pockets out and put it in there, your money in the pushka. Then what happens is your kid is going to camp. They're like, oh, I need money because I'm going ice skating and I want to get a soda while I'm there. Or they want money for some other reason. And then you're like, wait a second, I haven't had cash in my pocket since uh, maybe 1993. So, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So what you do is you go conveniently into your pushka and you take out a bunch of things from your pushka and then you have cash money. But the thing is, the reality is, is that that cash does not belong to you. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to pay it back. But it starts adding up. There are billions of dollars that Jewish families have siphoned off of pushkas. And I know you're listening to the video like, oh, shoot. Yeah, we're going to pay it right back. We're watching you. We know what's going to happen. We want that money back. Otherwise, again, you're going to be swept up in a class action pushka lawsuit. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is sleepless nights with babies and ways to monetize the situation and make the best out of uh, such a situation. And that is, here's, it's, it's been brewing my head for many years. So what happens is kids are up at night and the parents are miserable and everybody's miserable because when the parents are miserable, the kids are miserable and then, then the teachers get miserable and then it just flows throughout society. So what you do is, uh, the way to do it is you would have, you would enter your baby into a contest and it's uh, for gamblers. And basically you have a webcam on the babies, obviously it has to be anonymized data. And then you wager, uh, gamblers can wager 
like which baby is going to sleep through the night or how many hours. Now, obviously, you can't uh, dope your baby with like extra food beforehand just because you have doping laws, just like you would have in uh, you know any sort of sport event. And then you could basically have anybody who's a degenerate gambler could again gamble and understand not gamble but gamble basically on on certain babies like i pick baby eight is going to sleep through the night and then you can have people watching in a bar and they're talking to their bookie and they're like look at him look at him go he's not oh he's stirring he's stirring go back go back to sleep go back to sleep wake up no 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 oh lost the money so, and you can call it babyhood, like instead of uh, Robin Hood. And then you can have the babies all geared up, like in branded merchandise, like you have uh, uh, the Gerber baby or the Duna baby or the Johnson & Johnson. And again, this is a way where, and then the, the families with the babies who are sleeping or participating get a little kickback money from either the bookie or the bars or the brands just because, again, they're participating in the whole ecosystem. Now, what you have is you have people who love babies right now. You also have bookies making money. You have the bars making money. You have the parents making money, the brands making money. And obviously, again, like any good gambling scenario, there has to be odds. So if you have a colicky baby, then obviously they have better odds, and you can win more money if you choose the colicky baby, but the colicky baby sleeps until 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning. Okay, so again, a way to monetize sleepless nights. Another thing very important to know when you have a baby, you have to get the burp out. You have to basically pound the baby on the back ever so slightly and ever so slightly pounding to get the burp out. If the burp does not come out, there's not going to be any sleep. Either the baby is going to keep you up or your wife is going to keep you up by saying, Hey, did you hear the baby burp? Did you hear the baby burp? Did the baby burp? Did the baby burp? Did you hear the baby burp? Now, the thing is, is that sometimes when you're banging the baby, you think you heard a burp, but you're not sure if it was a burp. It could have just been the baby messing with you, or it could just be some other thing that's going on, like a burp in your mind. And so sometimes you just want to get a validation burp on top of the regular burp, because again, if, if the burp doesn't happen, the baby's not going to be happy. The other thing is, I think it would be an amazing thing for adults to be burped after a meal. So imagine you go to a really nice restaurant, and you're very privileged, and you're ordering, and people who have no business being in this country other than making a couple dollars are slaving away to bring you the food. But anyways, you overeat, and you leave the restaurant. Outside of the restaurant, there are some giants the world's strongest men are standing there. They're very tall. And for an extra 15 or $20 or a, a service fee, they could pick you up, hoist you on their shoulder, and then pound you on the back of the back so you can burp and then drive home without any indigestion. So the kids are in Ganisrol for the summer. I noticed last week they were playing Escape from Russia. I do think that is a little too soon, given that there is a war going on. I would think, if anything, it should be escape from Ukraine because that is the place where people are trying to escape from. And I'm just saying, I just thought it was a little strange. The next thing, I want to thank everybody who sent us baby gifts. The other thing is, I don't want to specify who sent the gift and who didn't because, honestly, we have no idea the gifts that are coming in. So we really appreciate it. They're coming in in between food trains and then the gifts are coming in. So what I'm doing is, the responsible thing would be to write down 
who gave a gift and what they give, and then to send out a, uh, a thank you note. But because we're so tired and we have such a justified excuse at this point to be tired, we're going to milk that excuse for all it's worth. So what I'm doing is a hack. So anybody who I see that basically knows us, I look at them and I say, thank you very much for your baby gift. Now, this is a win-win situation. If they actually gave us a gift, then boom, score. I just thank the person for gave me, giving us a gift. Now, if we know them, especially if they're good friends and they did not get a gift, guess what happens now? They get really guilty and they're like, we didn't get you a gift. And we're like, yeah, I know. So it would be really nice, though, if you could, just because we're kind of struggling. The food train is going to be over soon, and it's just going to be us by ourselves and lots of Tupperware and diapers. And so that's what I'm doing, and it's been working wonders. The gifts are going up. Now, the other thing that I'll tell you is, in general, I am not a fan of thank you notes on a gift. Meaning, if I give a gift to somebody else and they want to say, send me a thank you note, completely unnecessary, and I'm being consistent because if you give me a gift, I do not want to send you a thank you, thank you note. Absolutely not. I know it's like common decency, and that's the kind of uh, societal norm. Here's why I don't like it. Number one, that thank you note eats into the margin of the gift. Let's, let's be realistic here. You gave me a gift. Now I have to send you a card. So I need an envelope. I need a paper. I need postage. And then I have to dedicate some time to write something up because time is money and put it in the mailbox and get it to you. Meanwhile, let's say you gave me a present. It cost $50. Now the postage, they've got, that's already a dollar, $2. It starts adding up. My time starts adding up. I run a very successful podcast and I do other stuff. So now your $50 gift, we are going to have to subtract like three, $4 just to get you a thank you thank you note because you want to know that I really enjoyed your gift and now I go through the effort of sending you something back. Again, we just ate off 8 9% margin and they're, they're, uh, of the gift. Like, I just want a gift. I don't want there should be any cogs involved with the gift. Uh, the second thing is, is that really it's a slippery slope. It's a never-ending process because if I send you a thank you note, right, do I have expectations at this point that you're going to send me a your a your welcome note to my thank you note? Or how about having the decency to send you a thank you note for sending you a thank you note because it took me a bunch of time and it cost me postage and I had to go to the mailbox and I have so much going on. So yeah, you should also recognize the fact that I did something for you now and you ought to reciprocate and send me a thank you note. You see what happens? And then I have to send you another note back. And this never ends because theoretically speaking, we could be sending each other back and forth thank you and your welcome notes until these kids are in college. So that's why I don't like the whole idea. Now, I do have a solution. It's a little bare bones and non-conventional. But this can solve the problem of people needing thank you notes, but at the same time not eating into margins. Here's what happens. When you give me a thank you note, here's what I, uh, sorry, when you give me a gift, here's what I propose. If you do want a thank you note, include a self-addressed thank you note with postage. So basically, like a wedding invitation, that if you want to get responses or RSVPs, you'll put in a self-addressed uh, I will attend card, and it has postage already on it. So when you give me a baby gift, it could just have include an envelope that has your address so I don't have to look it up because that takes 
effort and consideration on my part, which I have neither, and or, or don't want to uh, have either, and then it won't eat into margin. You'll get your thank you note, and everybody will be very happy. Now, the next thing I want to chat with you about is about newborn photography. So it's very dear to my heart. We, my wife actually is a newborn photographer. And right now, though, we hired somebody to take pictures of us because after spending money on nesting and now nurses and extra help, so once we were ready running a deficit, we were like, let's just increase this deficit as much as possible. Let's get a, a baby photographer. So my wife is like, yeah, it's super cheap. It's only $750 for 25 pictures. Now, the thing that my wife left off was that basically the photographer for $750 gives you a couple pictures and teases out thousands more to you. And they basically tell you it's only $750, but you get 25 pictures. Just so you know, we have another 500 beautiful pictures of your family that is proprietary to you in this beautiful moment. And now they are being held hostage by us, the photographer, in the cloud. Now, if you want, you could upgrade your package to get the rest of the pictures. Or if not, you can just get 25 because it's so easy for my wife to choose 25 out of 500 beautiful family photos and then the rest of the other 475 don't worry we're we're gonna hold on to them and you know make sure the no, you know the wrong people are not looking at them or accessing they're safe with us and uh there you have it and as soon as i found that out like this was mid photo shoot shoot every time the photographer would then take a picture I would not hear the click of the flash. I would hear like a cash register going ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And it was very lovely. The pictures are very nice. And now we're going to figure out um, which of the 25 we're going to get and then which of the other 500 that we're going to splurge on. And uh, it's going to be great. Now, uh, I do have, with the price of grass increasing, I have a couple things to say about it. First of all, I do have a Jewish soundtrack that you can be playing or singing while filling up gas. It goes like this. It's a very serious and solemn song, and uh, it, it will go in the spirit of paying close to $100 to fill up a tank of gas. The best thing about it is I was filling up gas recently. It's always traumatic these days filling up gas. And they asked me at the end, like, would you like a car wash? And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I just took a bath paying for the gas. No, I don't need a car wash. That, that's very good. Now, there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of misinformation with regards to increased gas prices. Biden is duking it out with Jeff Bezos. Different pundits are on TV trying to explain what's going on with it. Things are happening in Twitter. So... I find that nobody has really done a good job explaining it very simply as to why in the heck is gas so expensive today. So I'm going to do my best job explaining it in very, very simple terms so finally people can understand why gas price is so, excited, uh, so expensive. So first of all, as you know, there was a previous president who his name was Donald Trump. He was president for just one term. 
Then there was Trump. Then afterwards, there was a war between Russia and Ukraine. Then, as you know, there are supply chain issues. You also know that on January 6th was an insurrection at the Capitol with Trump. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is you have Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who had a laptop that was given into uh, a computer technician, and there was a lot of information on the laptop. The next thing you have to say is in the summer, uh, Amazon constantly runs Prime Day. Okay? So let's continue. The next thing is you have what's going on here is global warming. So the planet is just getting warmer and warmer. Finally, the next piece that you have happening right now, like I alluded to in the beginning of the podcast, is you have this whole abortion laws that are getting overturned, Roe versus Wade, and that is getting overturned. Now, if you put this all together and map it out, you should really understand clearly why gas prices are the way they are today. And if you don't, then I'm not sure uh, what's wrong with you. So the next thing uh, we want to talk about is sensitivity and sensitivity training in grocery stores because I don't think it exists. And there are two things that I will propose now if you are running a kosher grocery store. The first thing is your cashiers need sensitivity training when they start. Here's what you have to tell them. For, not for myself, but for people shopping there, you cannot put the fleshics and milchics in the same bag. Like if you have a package of meat which is sweating profusely and then you have also a carton of milk that is also schwitzing, if you put them in the same bag, you can have somebody online who's trying to check out with his groceries have a panic attack because, y- you know, there's, there's fluids now coming out of these two packages and that's just what you see. Like if you close the bag, you don't know what is going to happen between that package of meat and that milk. There could be inappropriate things happening there. They could be cavorting. You don't know. And so the first thing is, I want to tell you that if you, you there needs to be some sensitivity training just to make sure that the, the bags are, are separate. The second thing is, is that when you were spending a f- like three four $400 in a kosher supermarket and you walk out holding three grocery bags that weigh like a half a pound, you feel like a schmuck because it's a lot of money for so few bags. So in terms of sensitivity, what I would suggest for the kosher grocery stores is when you're spending that amount of money, they also give you a couple of placeholder bags that have sandbags in them. And you just carry them out so that you feel like you spent $300 now. So it's three bags that has your groceries, a couple of things, but then, again, a couple of heavy bags with sandbags so that you feel like a mensch walking towards your car like you spent $300, and now you feel like you had $300 worth of groceries in your bag. So I want to ask you, as listeners to this podcast, if you can please support the Shmuel Tenhouse podcast. Here's what you can do to support the Shmuel Tenhouse podcast. If you can subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify, you can follow. And also, if you can leave a review for the show 
on iTunes. So that when people find the show, you can write them a beautiful flowing review about the show so they know what to expect. Thank you very much. Now, the last anecdote for this week's show, and that is, um, by the way, I'm sipping a coffee here, and it is an extra strength decaf. Like when you have an extra strength decaf, you want to make sure it really doesn't work. A decaf is just, hey, can I get a coffee that doesn't work? But extra strength is like I really, really want to make sure that all this has is bad flavor and uh, no, no good things to come along with it. So this was this this took place over Shavuos. We had in our fridge, and we had a lot of dips, like a ton of dips. There was this dip and that dip and this dip and that dip and, and different types of dip dips. Now, there was a person that was with us, and I'm not going to say who the person was, but I just want to tell you that the word schwigger rhymes with trigger, but that has nothing to do with the story at all. So there was one dip was an eggplant, and mind you, we had a couple ready, we had a couple of eggplants, but there was one, another eggplant that just did not have enough mayonnaise. It was very like grayish looking. And so this person took out all the dips and they're on the counter. And then this person took some mayonnaise to whiteify that, that extra eggplant. And now we would have 99 dips. So we can sing 99 dips on the wall, 99 dips on the wall, take one down, pass around 98 dips on the wall. So uh, the first thing is, you have to understand when you have a Shabbos meal what, or, or a Yom Tif meal, what is your DPPQ, which stands for dips per person quota. How many dips do you have per person at the table? Do you have five dips per person, three dips per person? It's, it's very key. But I was thinking, why does this person need so many flippin' dips? Why? What's, why is, it, why is, is, is having 50 dips just not enough dips to have at the table? And then it dawned upon me that some people, and I applaud them, are living their best dip life. This person was living their best dip life. And many people out there are living their best dip life. And that's important, and that is something that I need to undertake for myself instead of being sometimes so critical of the dip. I auto hop on the bandwagon enjoy life, and live my best dip life. Thank you very much. We will talk to you soon.